0: WELCOME TO WORKING THE WORD WITH JONATHAN VORCE. JOIN US NOW FOR SERVICE ALREADY IN PROGRESS AT LAKEWOOD CHURCH OF GOD. ALL RIGHT, WE'RE GOING TO GO TO, uh, THIS IS GOING TO BE THE THIRD MESSAGE IN OUR SERIES THAT WE BEGAN CALLED RED LETTERS, AND WE'RE TALKING ABOUT THE WORDS OF JESUS AND uh, WHAT THEY MEANT, uh, AND WE'RE GOING KIND OF THROUGH THE BOOK OF LUKE. WE'RE GOING INTO SOME OF THE OTHER GOSPELS ALSO, but. The book of Luke is kind of our springboard uh, book. And I have a very, very interesting message today. Very interesting. I'm going to talk to you about divine assignment. And the subtitle of what I'm going to be talking to you about is this. How to handle yourself when other people refuse to accept you. How to handle yourself when other people refuse to accept you. Am I going to be preaching to the choir here today? Huh? All right, well, Jesus experienced this, and we're going to look at how He did it, how He handled Himself, and we're going to take some tips from that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to You right now in the name of Jesus. We thank You for the opportunity and the privilege that we have to gather together and to worship You in spirit and in truth. I thank You for this group of people that's gathered together today. Touch me to be able to effectively communicate Your Word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse number 23 the, well, let's, let's, start, uh, let's start in verse number 21. The Bible said that Jesus began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. You will recall last week that we were talking about how that Jesus proclaimed what his purpose was, and that was uh, to preach the gospel of the poor, heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering a sight to the blind, set at liberty them that are bruised, and preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So then the Bible said, he closed the book, gave it to the minister, sat down. All the eyes of them that were in the synagogue were fastened fastened upon him. He began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, isn't this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, you will surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, read letters again, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up, three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, or Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Now slip down to verse number 35. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. So that's kind of where we'll end up today. I want to talk to you today about divine assignment. The life of Jesus is the greatest example that we have of how we should conduct ourselves as Christians. And I think that it's no secret that Jesus was both celebrated and ridiculed. Some people loved Jesus. Some people hated Jesus. Some people sowed into the ministry of Jesus, gave into the ministry of Jesus. Other people tried to kill Him. And we learn from this, and we'll see as we go back and kind of go through some of what I read to you today, we learn from this that not everyone is going to celebrate you. In fact, some people will go beyond not celebrating you. They will mock you and they will ridicule you. They did the same thing to Jesus in the beginning of His ministry. You would have thought, because He was in His hometown, you would have thought that they would be celebrating with Him. You would have thought that they would say, way to go. You would have thought that they would have said, you know, that's a hometown boy. I think we need to get behind him. You would have thought that that's how it would have been. But I want to tell you something, it wasn't that way with Jesus. Some places he went was that way, but in his hometown, they said, ah, this is just Joseph's son. So today we're going to discuss what to do when this happens to us by looking at the life and ministry of Jesus as our example. Now we're going to begin with a little, a little statement and I want to kind of talk about the statement for just a few moments. And the statement is three words. It's this, brush it off. Look at your neighbor and say, brush it, brush it off. There will always be those who question God's purpose in your life, for your life. There will all, those of you that are in ministry and your life is a ministry. When we say ministry, we're not talking about just getting here behind the pulpit When we talk about ministry, every single one of us were designed for a specific purpose and for a specific reason. And we were designed to live out that reason. In fact, God downloaded in us when we were born the DNA of the things that we needed, the tools that we would need in order to fulfill the purpose of God upon our life. But some will question that call. Some will question our purpose And most of the times, their questions are based on our heritage, just like they were with Jesus. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach. And and we talked about that last week. And after He got through, the Bible said that He sat down, and the Bible said that all of the eyes of those that were in the temple were fastened upon Him. Now, when I first read that, and when I first began to study that years ago, I was thinking, well, they were just wowed by Him. But I think that after I've studied through some of this uh, for some years now, I think that there were some of them that were wowed by him, and there were some of them that were looking at him with this in their mind. Now, and, and they were thinking, now, now that's ridiculous. I mean, here's Jesus, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set the liberty of them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he sets down and all the eyes of those that are in the temple looks at him and going through some of the people's minds is, that's ridiculous. This is the carpenter's son. This is Joseph's son. Absolutely Not. So some will question the call of God upon your life because of the heritage that you have. Some will just try to distract you or detract you or obstruct you and resist you because of their own personal pride. They'll make statements like this. They'll say, Well, you're no better than I am. And you know what? They're right. But that shouldn't stop you. They'll say, You're no better than I am. Or just who do you think you are? Or here's a big one. Well, you put your pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else does. Well, thank God you're wearing pants. <laughs> but they'll make statements like that, and that's very pri- that's a very prideful place. To come from because they don't, because when you start following the call of God, when you start following the purpose of God upon your life, it makes them face the reality that God has created them and designed them for a purpose. And God has put a call upon their life, and it makes them face the reality and start asking questions Have I done what the Lord has called me to do? Am I doing what God wants me to do? So then they look at him, verse number 23, and Jesus says, He says unto them, because he knows what's going on, he says in their minds, he says, some of you will surely say unto me, well, physician, you know, you're called to preach the gospel of the poor, heal the broken heart, deliver us to the captive, for covering the sight of the blind, set at liberty them that are bruised. So, okay, so you're a spiritual physician, so heal yourself. So there's a challenging spirit, and so they would say, well, physician, heal yourself. Now, Jesus was unaware. Now, why would Jesus say this? The Bible doesn't say that they said it. The Bible said that Jesus said it. Why would Jesus say this? Here's the reason. Because Jesus was aware that there was unspoken feelings of ridicule towards him in the room. Have you ever walked in a room and knew that people had been talking about you? Pretty good indication is when you walk in the room, all of a sudden everybody shuts up. You know what I've learned to do during? I I mean, I've been doing this for a lot of years now. You know what I've learned to do? When I walk into a room and people shut up, I just look at them and say, should we take an offering? Well, here's what Jesus did. Because He's Jesus and He could discern And he knew what was going on in their mind. And he knew they they had these private thoughts about him. And so here's what Jesus did. He exposed them. He exposed their private thoughts and he defended himself. And when he exposed their private thoughts and defended himself, then his mockers and scoffers became enraged and wanted him dead. Does that sound familiar? Demon spirits are so predictable, aren't they? I mean, if I can't control you, if I can't have my way, if I don't get my way, then I'm just gonna destroy whatever you're trying to do. Listen, nobody can destroy your life unless you let them. That's right. You 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 gotta quit looking and and, and you gotta brush it off. Let, Let me tell you something. There's always gonna be unspoken opposition in rooms where you are when you are living out the will of God in your life. There's always going to be people who don't agree. There's always going to be people who think that they could do better. There's always going to be people... I mean, my goodness, I've had them write letters on me. Lakewood will never be what it's supposed to be, in my opinion, as long as Pastor Jonathan is the pastor of that church. I'm like praise God. I've read them. They let me read them. You know, I go to the state office every now and then, they let me read them. They let me read the letters. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know what I've learned? Brush it off. Brush it off. Why do you br- why why brush it off? Let me tell you why. Because the call of God upon your life is too important for you to get twisted up in fleshly activity. Just brush it off. I've learned that I have a choice. Jesus was demonstrating here also. I've learned that I have a choice. I can focus on what matters, or I can entertain the drama. And I choose focus. And so, the Bible said that Jesus... After he shared all of this with them and he was talking to them, he said here in verse 24, Verily I said to you, no prophet is accepted in his, own, in his own country. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. And then he goes on, verse 25, he said, But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, three and a half years, and there was great famine throughout the land. But unto none of those was Elijah sent except unto Sarephah, a city of Zion, unto a woman that was a widow. Jesus went to that woman and she was about to lose everything and she was... That's the widow's oil story. Remember that in the Old Testament? And so the prophet showed up and she said, I'm going to get rid of... And he said, well, make the man of God a cake. And she said, well, this is all we have. She said, we're going to do this and then we're going to go die. And he said, well, make the man, he said, go to, go borrow vessels from your neighbors and borrow not a few. And the Bible said that she kept pouring oil and pouring oil and pouring oil. And the oil kept coming and the Bible said that the oil stayed. And so the man of God was sent to that one woman, even though there were a lot of other widows in the area, The man of God was sent to that one woman. And then verse number 27, Jesus reminds them many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman from Syria, or Naaman the Syrian. So Jesus was letting them know that God works differently in different situations for different people, and we shouldn't take it We shouldn't take it personally when God maybe would bless someone and then we're sitting here and we're thinking, why doesn't God bless me? Jesus was sharing this. He was understanding. He was letting them know, I know that this is going on. And so the Bible said that they got mad at him. Verse 28, they that were in the synagogue, when they heard these things were filled with wrath, rose up, threw him out of the city, led him to the brow of a hill where the city was built, and they tried to cast him off. So basically they took him to a big hill and they tried to throw him over a cliff. All he did was stand up among friends and family and neighbors and say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. That's all he did. That's all he did. And they developed attitudes about him and began to ridicule him. And before it was over, they were throwing him out of the city and trying to throw him over a cliff. We like to focus on where He fed the 5,000 besides women and children. We like to focus on scriptures where the Bible said and there were great multitudes that followed Him. We like to focus on those things. But there are other parts of Jesus' life where people didn't just dislike Him, they wanted to kill Him. Jesus said His peace to them and they wanted to throw Him over a cliff. Some people will become angry with you when God unveils the intent of their hearts through discernment. What do I do then, pastor? Here's what you do. You brush it off. You don't listen to the background noise. How do I do that? You focus forward. Look at your neighbor and say, focus forward. Focus forward. Focus forward. Here is a great piece of advice that I have learned through the years. You don't have to answer every critic. I'm going to say that again. You don't have to answer every critic. Some critics are interested in you answering them. Some critics are just interested in prolonging your pain. So you don't have to answer every critic. There's no place in the Bible where it says that you have to answer every critic. Something else that I have learned through the years. See, Jesus, the Bible said, and Jesus passing through the midst of them went his way. So after you brush it off, there comes a time in your life when you need to exit the situation. Hello. So many people are trapped in their present Because of their past. You need to exit your past so God can unleash your future. And we've got to make up our mind, I'm not going to stay here forever. Here's something else that I've learned. Not only do I have to answer every critic, that's number one. And some people get very angry, have gotten very angry with me through the years when they would be saying all kinds of stuff and not a word from me. Wouldn't even answer them. My, my family used to get so angry with me before we came to this church and even some, some at this church. But before we came to this church, we had a very difficult situation for a small period of time when you look at the whole, uh, the whole time that we were there. But for a very small period of time... We had some people that was just anything that they could do through character assassin, any anything, anything. And we have since received letters of apology and, and we have fully forgiven them and, and all of that. And I'm sorry I was, all of that. But I would look at them and I would say, don't say anything. Not a word. Not even on Facebook. Not even covertly on Facebook. You know, have you ever read a little post and you knew it was about you, but they didn't mention your name? <laughs> don't even answer it. You know, you can block them. You don't even have to see that stuff. Don't let that stuff in your life. Just just block them. Just, just don't, even, don't even fool with it. And, and here's the thing. I've learned not everyone's atten- intended to be with me forever. <clears throat> not everyone's intended to be with you forever. There are seasons in life. Some are assigned to you for a specific season. God assigns you to some for a specific season. Years ago, I stood up here after we got through with the renovation here and everything, and now we're moving to a bigger location. But but when we first got here, the church was just growing and doing wonderful, and we do major renovations. And after the renovations was done, after all the paint was on the walls, after the new carpet was down, after everything, the landscaping and the stucco and all of that, everything was completely done, there's a few families that began to just kind of trickle away. And at first I thought to myself, my goodness, they were here for the whole thing. I mean, we worked so hard together and we worked good together and all of that. And the Lord dropped this in my spirit and I shared it with some of you that were here, you'll remember. I shared it with you. I said, there are some people that God has designed to be scaffolding people. In other words, there are some people that God assigns to you for a season for the purpose of helping you build into the next level. That's the call of God upon their life. That's the plan of God upon their life. I'm still friends with a lot of those people. They don't attend here anymore. You know why? Because they're somewhere else helping another pastor build that church into the next level. It's the call of God that is upon their life. People that are scaffolding people, people that are building people, people that help you build to get into the next level, most of the time are the kind of people who will not be the kind of people that stay with you for the long haul. Now, you couldn't get where you need to go without them being there in the season that they were there. So respect them for living out the call of God, love them when they make their exit, and let's go to heaven together and have a great time doing it scaffolding people, people that build you up, people that God assigns to you, people that are there to help you, those people are great blessings in your life. Don't be offended when, because see what happens. If they stay with you for the long haul, they're going to get bored. They're going to get bored and, and, and they're not going to get fed anymore and, and, and they're going to eventually start being problem people. Because they always have to have something to fix. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people were designed (laughs) to be fixers. So celebrate them. So there are some people in your life that God puts there for seasons to build you up. Then there are some that Satan puts in your life as an obstructionist. And they just flat need deliverance. Always remember this. God keeps a record. You let God handle the obstructionist and you make your exit and go where God wants you. Jesus exited the scene. Verse number 30, the Bible said he passing through the midst of them went his way. Now here's some things that I want to share with you. And this is going to set some of you free. Listen to me. Number one, quit working for the approval of people who do not believe in you. I'm going to say that again because I don't think it completely took. You ready? Quit working for the approval of people who do not believe in you. Jesus did not stand up in the temple, in the synagogue, in Nazareth, and say, wait, 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 wait. I know, I know, I know, I know. You don't like me. You don't. I, I understand. I know that I'm just Joseph's son. And Jesus did not stand up there and try to force himself on them. He exited. He made his exit. Quit working for the approval of people who do not believe in you, and quit trying to prove yourself to people who will never respect the call that God has placed upon your life. It is not necessary for your enemies to approve you and it is not necessary for people who do not respect the call of God on your life to turn and start respecting you in order for God to use you. When you exit and God takes you higher, don't go back. Hello. Don't go back. Here's what you need to do you need to open your heart to those who believe in you and the purpose that God has designed you for and the call of God that's on your life, and you need to pour yourself into them. Go with me, please, to Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse number 1. Matthew chapter 7, and verse number 1. There is a temptation, it's a fleshly temptation. It's a natural temptation. There is a temptation for us to pass judgment on those who do not understand the call of God or the purpose of God for our life. Here's what the Bible says about that. Number one, in verse number one, Matthew 7, verse number one, it says, Judge not that you be not judged. The Bible also tells us that we know people by the fruit that they bear. We're fruit inspectors, but we're not judges. So judge not that you be not judged. Verse number two, for with what judgment ye judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you meet, it'll be measured to you again. And why do you behold the mote that's in your brother's eye, but you don't consider the beam that's in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me pull that mote out of your eye, and a beam is in your own eye? These are words in red. This is Jesus speaking. Here's what he said in verse 5. He said, you're a hypocrite. He said, thou hypocrite. First, cast out the beam out of your eye, and then you can see clearly to cast the mote out of your brother's eye. And then verse number 6 says this, give not that which is holy unto the dogs. That's talking about things that can rip apart or tear apart or devour, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. I think what the Bible is telling us there is don't try to force yourself on people who do not respect the anointing that is on your life. In order for the anointing to flow freely, you need to be frustration free. Come on, this is pastoral teaching at the epitome of pastoral teaching this morning. You need to be frustration free. Can the anointing flow if you're frustrated? Absolutely, but not in fullness. Not in fullness. So, don't be hanging around or trying to get people who don't believe in you, who don't believe in the call of God that's on your life, and who are constantly going to fight you, quit working for their approval, and quit trying to prove yourself to them, and find a group of people who believes that Calvary changes things. Find a group of people who believes that Calvary matters. Find a group of people who will say, you know what? That might have been who you were, but that's not who you are, and it's not who you're going to be because the blood of Jesus has been applied to your heart and the blood of Jesus has been applied to your life. Find that group of people. And that group of people who believe in the call of God upon your life and that group of people who believe in the anointing that's upon you and begin to pour into that group of people and bless them and bless them and bless them and bless them and in that field is where you will begin to see your harvest. Hmm. Then the last thing I want to share with you is this. Luke chapter 4. Go back to Luke chapter 4. This message, if you can take it, it, it'll set you free. It's one of those listened to again and again and again. So, So go online and listen to it over and over and over. Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse number 31. Now this is after Jesus passed through the midst of them. The Bible said that Jesus went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil, and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Thou art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold your peace, and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits, and they come out, and the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. So we see people ridiculing Jesus. We see them driving him out of the city. We see them taking him to the edge of the cliff to throw him over a cliff because he had the audacity to say, you know, I've been in the wilderness fasting for 40 days, returned in the power of the Spirit, and this is my life's purpose. And they said, well, you're just Joseph's son. And he said, well, you said that about other prophets. And he defended himself and they got mad at him and decided they were going to throw him out of the city. The Bible said Jesus passed through the midst of them and went his way and he went to the next city to Capernaum. And he went over there, and Jesus continued doing the call of God upon his life. Jesus had to refocus. Jesus probably thought, well, this is my hometown. Maybe they'll get behind me. Maybe they'll help me. But you know what? That didn't happen, did it? So the third thing I want to share with you is this. Sometimes in your divine assignment, God has to remove you, and then you have to refocus and adapt to where God has taken you. Boom. Look at your neighbor and say, boom. Boom. That's right. <laughs> the next account we have of Jesus is him casting the devil out of man. Jesus left. And the Bible said that the people of Capernaum, not Nazareth, but the people of Capernaum were astonished at his doctrine. Why? Because his word was with power. Now I'm going to share something with some of you guys. That might help you just a little bit. I hope the whole message is helping you, but I felt the Holy Spirit just kind of leading me as I was putting this together. This is going to be for some specific people here today. Some of you have wondered, and wondered aloud to me at times, why God has taken you away from your family and away from your friends and away from those that you love and moved you to Florida. We went through the same thing. We moved down here. We knew one person, Dr. Earl Cushman. And that's because we had met him before, just a few months before we moved here. When we moved to Florida 10 years ago, we knew nobody here. But we knew God said, come. So we resigned the church that we were pastoring up there that we had planted and that we had worked very hard on. And we took off, and I'll never forget exit 110 in Kentucky at the Chevron station when I crawled back up in the U-Haul and Donna got in the car behind me and we pulled out and Don was kind of frustrated at his son-in-law, I can tell. Uh, he doesn't say much, but I could tell he's a little bit frustrated because I was taking his baby girl and his He's the only child he's got and the only grandchildren he's got. And he just turned and got in his car but Vic stood outside and she just bawled. And that was the rear that's what I seen in my rearview mirror. And going down Interstate 75, I remember asking God, "Are you sure this is what you want?" I'd been on a 40-day fast, I'd heard from God. The real deal, not a Daniel fast, water only. And God spoke to me and told me this is what he wanted. We got down here. The first year and a half was hell on earth for us. We ran out of money very quickly. I couldn't find work. She couldn't find work. We're eating spaghetti noodles. You've heard the story. I've told you over and again. Some of you have. Some of you haven't. Short version. We got in our car, told the kids we're going to go pray. We went down to the Gandhi Bridge, Donna and I did, just to make sure that we hadn't missed God. And God spoke to us as clearly, almost as I'm talking to you, He spoke that clearly in our spirit. He said, you didn't miss God. Those that were supposed to be supporting you are the ones that missed God. And you're suffering because of their disobedience. And it became a lesson to us, even if we don't understand it, always obey God because other people's lives and ministry are depending on We had to refocus. We were getting phone calls and texts every single day. You missed God. You need to come home. I looked at Donna and I said, to what? We gave the church away. We're definitely not going back to Winchester. We're not. We did that one time before and it was the worst thing we'd ever done in our life. I said, to what? I said, there ain't nothing for us to do but to focus forward. And the devil was having a heyday. He thought he had us right where he wanted us. And I remember one day, I was walking down the the hall, not the hallway, down the aisle there at a church in Tampa where we were serving. And the pastor walked up to me and everybody, just about everybody had left. And I was walking down the aisle and there must have been a look on my face or something. Because he looked at me, he said, Jonathan, are you okay? And I looked at him and I said, Pastor, and I said his name. I said, I am not about to let the devil take the call of God away from me and my family and I will not allow him to minimize us down to nothing. I said, we will refocus and we will rebuild in the name of Jesus. And he just said, Okay, and he walked on, he went say anything to me about it. The temptation will always be there to, to go back. Now, let me answer the question. Some of you have wondered, why has God moved you to Florida away from your family and your friends? Let me answer. Let the red letters answer it for you. Here's what Jesus said in Luke 424. Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. If Jesus was not accepted in his hometown, what makes you think you will be? You may have a modicum of success, but you will never experience the fullness of success when you're around people who keep throwing your past up to you. A person's hometown will always limit them. Jesus left Nazareth. Jesus went to Capernaum and look at the people's response. In Luke 4.32, they were astonished at his doctrine because his word was with power. He probably preached the same thing there that he had preached in Nazareth. Luke 4.36, they were all amazed and spake among themselves saying, what a word is this for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out of him. So they recognized the anointing that was on his life. And then in verse number 37, And the fame of Jesus went out into every place of the country round about. Now I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it loud, because I want you to get out. Are you ready? If God moved you here, get off the sidelines, and get busy refocusing, doing what God has called you to do. Well, I thought I was just going to go down there and retire. Ha! Re-fire is more like it. Re-tread is more like it. It's, It's time to quit listening to the voices in your head that are constantly reminding you of what was and it's time to start listening to the voice in your spirit that says, this is what God is saying about me. That's what was, but this is what is. God has a great plan for your life, but He needs your full cooperation in order to fulfill it. So I want to encourage you this morning to refocus. Come on, Charles. I want to to encourage you this morning to realize that you're under divine assignment. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm here because God wants me here. Every single person that's in this church this morning is here because God wants you here. Every single person that's watching us from different states and around the world is watching us right now because it was in the plan of God for you to do this. Now, you need to accept your divine assignment. Okay, so God has moved me here. Okay, God, why did you move me here? All right, Lord, I'll do that. I'll refocus. I'll realign my life. I don't have to duplicate what was in the past. Lord, that was a season. Now I'm in a new season. God, what is, what is your plan? What is your call? What is your what, what do you want me to do? It's time for you to break free of the limitations of your past. If you try to redo what you were doing where you are, then where does faith fit into the process? If you already know how to do everything, then you're probably dreaming too small. It's probably not God. So you got to break free from the limitations of your knowledge. you got to break free from the limitations of your past. you got to break free from the limitations of personal wisdom and throw yourself up on godly wisdom. And here's a big one. you got to break free from the bad opinions that you have of yourself. Opinions are like seeds. People plant them and they grow. The Spirit of God can pluck them so they're there no more. You got to be like Jesus in the red letters. You have to make your declaration. If I'm not received after I make my declaration then I have to pass through the midst of them And be where people respond to the anointing. That's all my life. And when you get there, let God activate you and be silent no more. Let God use you. I just feel prompted by the Spirit to say this. You are not your past. The only way you could relive your past is if you let yourself. I don't know about you. There are successes and failures both in my past. But there's nothing in my past I want to relive. Nothing. I think God's trying to raise people higher today. Get the shackles off. Get the chains off. Brush off the criticism. You might have to exit some friendships. Mm -hmm. And refocus. Activate. I can't tell you how to live your future. All I can do is advise you by the word of God on what to do in the present so the blessing of God is with you in your future. Your future tomorrow will eventually be your history the day after that. So your future History. Are you listening to me? Your future history is determined by the choices you make right now. So make good choices. So in the future, history will be kind to you. The anointing just going, anybody else feel that? Is it it just me? It's almost like he's massaging this word into your spirit. I can feel him dropping in my spirit. They're getting it, they're getting it, they're getting it. You're getting God's message for you today. Let's stand. Come on, let's stand. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number for jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the word will work if you work the word.